uh, just recollected by someone. We just wish he would keep going. So inshallah, he will keep going. Inshallah, tonight we will have our Quran night as well as part of our Sirah conference. When a person desires to know someone, the first person that they go to or that they should go to is their inheritor or their heirs or their family or their kin. And it's mentioned in a narration that Al-Ulama'u Warathatul Anbiya or Inna Al-Ulama'a Warathatul Anbiya that verily the scholars are the inheritors of the Prophets and the Prophets did not give in their inheritance wealth or silver rather their inheritance is knowledge and whoever takes it has taken a great amount of it so therefore if we are to know about the Messenger of Allah as is the mission of this conference we will be listening from scholars that have studied across the world from scholars that are from Chicago from scholars who have dedicated their lives to understanding who the Messenger of Allah was inshallah for our next topic we will be looking at the supernatural miracles of the Messenger of Allah When asked about what the miracles of the Messenger of Allah are, many of us are stumped with an answer. We don't know how to answer. What were the miracles of the Messenger of Allah Inshallah, our dearest teacher, Mulana Farhan Sharif, who is one of our scholars and one of our instructors at Darussalam, not only in the Takmil program, but also in higher studies that are taught in Darussalam. He's a main lecturer here and has studied not only locally, not, sorry, not only with our teachers before he went overseas, but has also went to South Africa and finished his studies there and spent additional time there doing tahassus in hadith or doing his specialty studies in hadith. Inshallah, he will be speaking to us about the supernatural miracles of the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So please fill the gaps in front of you. Come as close as you can. Take notes if you are able to. And listen to our beloved Mulana Farhan Sharif. Jazakumullahu khairan. بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم نحمده ونصلي ونسلم على رسوله الكريم ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا أما بعد رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي esteemed and honorable ulama beloved elders and youngsters guests of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Alhamdulillah, yesterday at the very beginning of the conference, we learned from Mufti Minhaj, Hafidhullah, we learned from his lecture the importance of believing in miracles. We learned about what mu'ajizat are, mu'ajizat roughly translated as miracles. We learn in the importance of believing in them. And also we learn that part of being a Muslim entails that a person has to believe in miracles. 
part of our iman, part of our faith, is that we have to believe in the fact that miracles can and did take place at the hands of various different prophets through the will uh, and the power of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we understand from the Quran and the hadith also that every single prophet that was sent by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was asked by his people to present some sort of proof, some sort of miracle, some sort of evidence and testimony to the truthfulness of his prophethood. And in fact, some scholars have even gone to the extent that they have mentioned it was the right, it was the haq of every single ummah to do so. In other words, they were entitled to actually ask the Prophet to provide a miracle if they were not convinced otherwise. Some have gone to the extent it was their haq. And we see this mentioned throughout the Quran for various different Prophets. Musa alayhi salam or before we get into that, Rasulullah sallallahu has also mentioned this in a hadith as recorded in Sahih Bukhari. Rasulullah sallallahu he mentioned, he has said, مَا مِنْ الْأَنْبِيَاءِ نَبِيٌّ There wasn't a single prophet. إِلَّا وَقَدْ أُعْطِيَ مِنَ الْآيَاتِ مَا مِثْلُهُ آمَنَ عَلَيْهِ الْبَشَرِ There wasn't a single prophet except that he was granted, he was granted such signs, such miracles the likes of which all of mankind would have brought faith in. The likes of which all of mankind would have then accepted iman, would have then believed in Allah. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about this in various different places in the Quran. Starting off with Musa alayhi salam in Surah A'raf, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions narrating the story of Musa alayhi salam, where Musa alayhi salam he says, قَدْ جِئْتُكُمْ بِبَيِّنَةٍ مِّن رَبِّكُمْ فَأَرْسِلْ مَعِيَ بَنِي إِسْرَائِيلٍ Musa a.s. he went to Fir'aun and the people and he, told, and he told him and them that I have brought you a clear proof. I have brought you a clear proof to show that I am genuinely the Prophet of Allah. So Fir'aun he replied, قَالَ إِن كُنْتَ جِئْتَ بِآيَةٍ فَأْتِ بِهَا إِن كُنْتَ مِنَ الصَّادِقِينَ that if you truly did bring such a miracle, then produce it. Show it to us. What is it? Similarly, we find the people of Salih. They asked him, ما أنت? They said, ما أنت إلا بشر مثلنا? You are just like a normal human being, just like us. You're not special. You're a normal human being, just like us. فَأْتِ بِآيَةٍ إِن كُنْتَ مِنَ الصَّادِقِينَ You are claiming prophethood then show us a miracle if you're truly amongst the truthful ones. And like that, various different nations demanded that their prophets provide them miracles. And we see in the Qur'an that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about all of the Anbiya salam, many of the Anbiya salam, and various different miracles that they were provided with. Nuh salam had the entire world was flooded Warning upon warning upon warning, and then slowly his people even began to see the world getting flooded. Yet still, even at that moment, they did not accept until it was too late. Then we find Ibrahim salam being burnt by, I mean, being placed inside of a fire 
But yet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala addresses the fire, قُلْنَا يَا نَارُ كُونِي بَرْدًا وَسَلَامًا عَلَىٰ إِبْرَاهِيمٌ And yet he is unscathed, not a single scratch, not a single burn. This is a miracle, a mu'jizah of Ibrahim alayhi salam. Salih alayhi salam brought forth for them a she-camel from a boulder. نَاقَةَ اللَّهِ وَسُقِيَاهَا He brought forth the she-camel from a boulder, a rock. Musa salam granted multiple different miracles. He had his gleaming hand when he would stick it underneath his arm and he would take it out. It would be shining so bright. He had his staff, his asa, which would turn into a snake, a real snake. He had the splitting of the oceans or the splitting of the, the body of water, water gushing forth from rocks. Springs gushing forth from water. And so on and so forth. There was many more signs that he was given. Dawud was such that You found that the mountains and the birds would join him in making dhikr and praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. One of the proofs that people use also when discussing this issue of making dhikr together. Dawood was such that the mountains would join in and make dhikr. The birds would join in and hymn the praises of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَأَلَنَّا لَهُ الْحَدِيدِ He was granted the ability to play with, play with iron as though it was like Play-Doh. Sulaiman alayhi salam وَلِي سُلَيْمَانَ الْرِيحَ غُدُوُّهَا شَهْرٌ وَرَوَاحُهَا شَهْرٌ وَأَسَلْنَا لَهُ عَيْنَ الْقِطْرِ Suleiman was granted control over the elements such like of that uh, or such as wind. He could use the wind to transport himself far distances. He was granted control over the jinnat. He was granted the ability to speak to animals. These are all various different miracles that happen to all the various different prophets. Isa salam granted the ability by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to place life into clay birds such that they would end up becoming actual birds through the power of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He would be able to cure that individual who was born blind. He was able to cure the leper. He was able to revive the dead. He was in fact even able to inform other individuals of what had happened within the privacy of their own homes. All of this is mentioned in the Qur'an. And more. And we may wonder, what is the purpose? Actually, perhaps not that many of us wonder, but what is the purpose of a miracle? Obviously, the number one purpose of a miracle is to establish the truthfulness of the Prophet. To establish the truthfulness of the Prophet, leaving absolutely no doubt whatsoever in the minds of his followers or in the minds of the people that he is truly a Prophet. A second reason is also to honor the Messenger. Like when it came to Rasulullah and the journey of Isra in Mi'raj, where he physically, mind and body, traveled to Masjid al Aqsa and then from there into the heavens as an honor. To Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa Perhaps even as a consolement to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa For the great difficulties that he experienced Losing his most beloved, the most beloved of individuals to him Being treated very harshly by his people 
And then also, another reason why mu'ajizat are sent is to alert the disbelievers. To alert them and to shake them to the core as a final effort so that they will either enjoy internal, uh, eternal salvation or eternal damnation. Our Prophet, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, being the greatest of anbiya, Sayyidul anbiya wal mursaleen, he was granted the most kamman wa kaifan, the most amount of miracles and the, great, the, the largest amount of miracles and also the greatest amount of miracles. In fact, Shaykh Dr. Saeed Mustafa Al-Khin, um, Shaykh Mustafa Saeed Al-Khin, Rahimahullah, he mentions that Imam Nawi Rahimahullah and Bihaqi Rahimahullah have recorded that there are over 1,000 miracles documented which occurred at the hands of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Over a thousand miracles were documented to have occurred at the hands of Rasulullah Wasallam. You'll find there is a book, it's in our Dar Salaam library as well, it's called Dala'ilun Nubuwa of Imam Bihaqi Rahimahullah. Seven volumes discussing the various different miracles that happened at the hands of Rasulullah Wasallam. We find Dala'ilun Nubuwa, another book, is an entire genre of hadith. Abu Naim Rahimahullah, over 700, 800 pages just about the various different miracles that happen in the life of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. So he was granted the most amount of miracles. Many a times we think, a lot of times perhaps we hear about the miracles of these other prophets. We wonder what miracles happen in the lifetime of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. There's so many, so many. I don't even know how many we'll be able to get through. Then also, kaifan. The ulama mentioned that the miracles that Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam were granted were actually the greatest of miracles. They were the most impactful of miracles and they were the most lasting of miracles. And this is something that only Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam was granted because of his maqam, because of his position. This was the honor that he was granted over all other prophets and over all other creation. And in fact, we can have an entire subhanallah conference just on the khasais of Rasulullah One is the mu'jizat, the miracles and then one is the khasais the various different things which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala granted to Rasulullah as a means of honoring him. Suyuti rahimahullah wrote an entire book Al-Khasais Al-Kubra it's over seven volumes just discussing the various different ways that Rasulullah was granted honor over uh, all of the other anbiya and over all of the other creation. So what are a few of these miracles that happen in the life of Rasulullah sallallahu We find that he was granted so many miracles, such miracles that span from involving smaller inanimate objects like rocks, tree trunks, trees, to larger animals like wolves, and camels and cows to human beings where people uncontrollably prostrated due to the ayat, the power of the Qur'an or people being cured miraculously through Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa as well as 
him having control وسلم, over elements of nature such as the dirt, such as water and even subhanallah large celestial bodies in the cosmos such as controlling the moon and the sun we can start off with inshallah we'll start off going smaller and we'll get bigger and bigger and bigger and another thing that we'll pay attention to is the nature in which these miracles were transmitted so you have one is the type of miracle and what it involved and then you also had the way it was transmitted as Mufti Minhaj Hafizullah mentioned very beautifully in his lecture there are certain miracles which were transmitted via reliable authentic sources and with regards to which we should have absolutely no doubt but there is room for individuals to perhaps study it further before they come to this conclusion that they are convinced in other words it may not be as strong of a proof and then you have other types of miracles which were witnessed by so many different sahaba and transmitted by so many different sahaba and preserved to such an extent that rejecting them actually impacts a person's iman in other words there's so much proof for the existence of this miracle that if a person were to reject it then their iman would be at stake that's how strong in other words just as real as Australia the country is to us similarly that's how real these miracles should be so starting off with those which some of which have been reported via authentic narrations recorded in Asahul Kutub Ba'da Kitab but maybe by one chain or two chain we find examples such as Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam talking about when he accepted after he became a prophet then he mentions that there wasn't a single there was a period of time in his life where there wasn't a single stone or rock or tree that he passed by except that they all began to greet him sallallahu alayhi wasallam we see in Sahih Muslim that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam he pointed out to various different sahaba when i became a muslim this is the rock that used to speak to me that is the rock that used to speak to me we see also in the hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam when he was a prophet and he used to address the, the Sahaba radiallahu anhum in Masjid al-Nabawi when it was first being built and there was a particular trunk that he used to stand on and he used to speak and he used to address them and this hadith is also in, in Sahih Muslim and other sources as well and it's mentioned that after the Masjid got further developed and a roof was placed and then an actual member was created for Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam to mount and to address the people from he began addressing them on one occasion and all of a sudden the sahaba began to hear extreme sobbing they began to hear extreme sobbing 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 like that of in fact like uncontrollably sobbing and they realized this this wasn't they looked around who is it coming from it's not coming from any individual who is this individual who's crying no one is crying they looked around they didn't see anyone but then they realized subhanallah it's coming from the tree stump that rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam used to mount and used to address the people from to this extent rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam had to go to it pat it and even he engaged in a dialogue and this was in front of such sahaba radiyallahu anhum 
This isn't, one of, this isn't just one of those uh, narrations which is reported by, by one sahabi, but rather we find, subhanAllah, this narration was reported by over, over 10 different sahaba, Ubayy ibn Ka'ab, Jabir ibn Abdullah, Anas ibn Malik, Abdullah ibn Umar, Abdullah ibn Abbas, Ahri ibn Sa'ad, Abu Sayyid al-Khudri, Burayda, Al-Aslami, Umm Salama, Al-Muttalib ibn Abi Wada'a, etc. And so many more sahaba, radiyallahu anhum, all with their individual chains, each reaching us till today. So many different Sahaba عنهم, talking about this incident. It happened in front of their own eyes. They saw it themselves and they heard it themselves. The extreme love. And of course, when it comes to Rasulullah when, you know, when, when, when a person becomes fascinated with something or someone else, it's because of perfection. Right? If we, hum, we as a society, perhaps throughout the entire world, you find that... Uh, Athletes and actors get paid uh, perhaps some of the largest amounts of salaries in the world or contracts in the world. And why? They're literally just kicking a ball from one place to another. They're throwing around a piece of, you know, like animal skin or, you know, what, what's so significant about that? But it's because of the fact that mankind has seen within them this quality of perfection with regards to that particular field. If it's someone who's playing tennis, someone who's playing basketball, someone who's playing football, etc., soccer, they have realized that there is an aspect of perfection within this human being and so people pay for entertainment and to see that perfection and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and he says, إِنَّكَ لَعَلَىٰ خُلُقٍ عَظِيمٍ Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was a pinnacle of what it meant to have exemplary character. So if when a person learns about, of course, living in the life of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, every single sahabi, they lived for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and were prepared at any given moment to sacrifice not only their own lives for Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam because of the extreme love that they had, but you find that they were even prepared to sacrifice their own children for the sake of Rasulullah Therefore, it's absolutely no, it's not um, far-fetched for even other creations of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to fall into such deep love with Rasulullah that upon having to separate from the blessed Mubarak body of Rasulullah you find that they even began to shed tears. We may feel a bit confused at these scenarios and incidents, but we find, subhanAllah, there are so many different ayat of the Qur'an where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about this. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Bani Israel, تُسَبِّحُ لَهُ السَّمَاوَاتُ السَّبْعُ وَالْأَرْضُ وَمَنْ فِيهِنْ He says, the seven heavens and the earth and all those therein all glorify and praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَإِمْ مِّنْ شَيْءٍ There isn't a single thing in existence Except that it glorifies and it praises Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Walakin, however, la tafqahuna tasbihahum. You can understand. Allah says, Alam tara anna Allah yusabbihu lahum man fi samawati wal ardi wal tayru safat. Can't you see that for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, all those that are in the heavens and the earth glorify Him and praise Him, even the birds that are flying throughout the, throughout the world? With their wings spread out, kullun qad alima salatahu wa tasbiha. Every single creation knows its own way of praising and glorifying Allah subhanahu wa taala. Then Allah mentions wa inna min al hijarati wa inna minha la ma yahbitu min khushiyatillah that there are certain rocks that fall 
out of the fear and the awe of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions to him prostrate all that are in the heavens and the earth. Allah talks about the trees prostrating, the animals prostrating. And there are so many various different creations. We can't understand and we can't see necessarily all the time. We can't hear. My father he used to take me to Jumu'ah when I was growing up as a young child. And he used to point out, I don't know, but he used to point out on the the electrical cords and the wires you would see particularly on Juma you see all the birds lining up you would see all the birds are praying Juma Salah then you would see that Allah Alam but perhaps very likely Allah Alam then you'll see the, the crickets chirping all praising Imam Ghazali has mentioned that there isn't a single animal except that only when it stops Praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is when its death comes to it. So there are various different ayat of the Quran. Mufti al Haqsab has over 21 different ayat talking about how various different creations praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so this isn't something which is far-fetched. This is something which we ought to believe in, something which our Quran talks about and it discusses. We see in other examples in one narration which is in Sahih ibn Hibban, Tabrani and other books of hadith that there was one um, Bedouin um, Abdullah ibn Umar reports the narration he says once we were on a journey with Rasulullah then this one Bedouin came when we came closer to him, then Rasulullah asked him, he's like, where are you going? He said, I'm going to my family, I'm going home. So Rasulullah asked him, do you, are you interested in anything good? So he was like, what do you mean? What are you talking about? What is there that I could be interested in which is worth my time? Rasulullah sallallahu he was giving him da'wah. He said, Tashhadu an la ilaha illallah wahdahu la sharika lah wa anna muhammadan abduhu rasuluh. If you know what's good for you, then bear testimony that there is no one worthy of worship besides Allah and that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is his servant and messenger. So then the Arabi, he blurted out, he said, Wa man yashhadu ala ma taqul. Okay, you're telling me this, but who is going to stand guarantee for what you're saying? What's the proof? Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa pointed to a tree and he said, Hadihi salama, this tree right here. So Rasulullah sallallahu then called out to it فَدَعَاهَا رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ وَهِيَ بِشَاطِئِ الْوَادِي He pointed out to the tree and it was at the end of the valley and he said, come here فَأَقْبَلَتْ تَخُدُّ الْأَرْضَ خَدَّا حَتَّى قَامَتْ بَيْنِ يَدَيْهِ And it continued to plow through the land until it stood right before Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam upon which he asked it three times do you bear testimony that I am the messenger of Allah فَشَهِدَتْ ثَرَاثًا أَنَّهُ كَمَا قَالْ And he, the tree itself spoke out that yes, it is definitely as you were saying ثُمَّ رَجَعَتْ إِلَى مَنْ بَتِيَ Then he went all the way back to where it was originally. وَرَجَعَ الْأَعْرَابِيُّ إِلَى قَوْمِهِ The Arabi, this Bedouin was so taken aback, he rushed to his people and then he told them إِنِ اتَّبِعُونِ أَتَيْتُكَ بِهِمْ Or he, he, uh, he went and then he told them If you all follow me then I will take you to them, to these individuals, these Sahaba, to this Nabi. And 
then you will be able to even see and you will be even able to witness this prophet yourself. So we find that this is subhanAllah another incident where the trees spoke out. And then you find another incident subhanAllah in Musad Ahmad where there was a, uh, a wolf that went to a shepherd. And then when it went to the shepherd, it was trying to steal some. It was trying to take a, a, a sheep. So when it tried to take the sheep, then as Qadiyyad mentions this from Imam Ahmad he says that the shepherd he outsmarted the wolf he protected his sheep so the wolf got upset he said what are you doing man you're getting in between me and my, my food <laughs> this is my food how am I supposed to survive so then he was like what are you talking about Frisbee was so taken aback what in the heavens world just happened this animal just started speaking so then he was so taken aback he was like so startled and the wolf realized he continued talking he said you're so startled right now at the fact that I'm speaking I'm so startled at the fact that there's a prophet in your midst and there are so many people who are not even believing in him so then this shepherd he went back to Rasulullah he found him and he said Ya Rasulullah Ashhadu annaka Rasulullah I bear testimony that there's you know that you are the messenger of Allah and this crazy thing just happened and he narrated it to Rasulullah so he told him Qum fahadithum stand right now and tell my companions what just transpired tell them what you just witnessed this is also another miracle of Rasulullah then we see in Sunan Abi Dawood when it came to the whole entire journey of Hajjatul Wada so slowly we're going up, right? So inanimate objects, stones, then we have trunk, tree trunks, then we have actual trees, then we have animals and wolves, and then now we're having camels. In Hajjatul Wada'a, Hajjatul Wada'a was the farewell pilgrimage uh, journey, the only time Rasulullah performed Hajj. Then there were many different animals that came, I mean, not came, they were brought by Ali radiallahu anhu and others, they were brought to be slaughtered. They were brought to be slaughtered and you'll find that when Rasulullah was the one who was going to carry out the slaughtering, it is reported in Sunan Abi Dawood that the Sahaba anhum witnessed the camels lunging forward so that who could be the first of them to be slaughtered at the hands of Rasulullah Then subhanAllah, carrying on, we see Rasulullah also at times had control of elements. So, so far I, I gave you one incident which was reported through mass transmission. That was the, the tree trunk. Another one which is reported through mass transmission where Rasulullah had control over various different elements. One like the uh, sand. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in Surah Anfal, وَمَا رَمَيْتَ إِذْ رَمَيْتَ وَلَكِنَّ اللَّهَ رَمَى Talking about the battle of Badr. When the Sahaba were so outnumbered, it was literally three to one, if not more. 300 against 1,000 plus minus 313, 14, 15 according to some narrations against 900 plus plus minus 1,000 they were not clad with any armor they did not have any proper weapons or any proper arms and in fact they were prepared to hijack a caravan they did not know that they were have, going to have to go into all out war full blown war with over 1,000 people three times that amount Yet Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa made so much dua, made so much dua, so much dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, calling out, he said, Ya Allah, this is the one group, if we get defeated, then who is going to be there who is going to worship you? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then sent various different types of help to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa amongst which were the angels as well. But in that particular battle, 
Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam was instructed by Jibreel alayhi salam, pick up some sand. He picked up some sand and then he was told to throw it. Then he threw it. When he threw the sand, normally if you take sand and you throw it, what's going to happen? It's going to fall on the ground, gravity. But what happened was Rasulullah sallam threw it and it actually clouded all of the enemy and it went into their eyes, into their ears, into their nose, into their mouth such that they were so baffled and so taken aback and at that time the Muslims launched an attack. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions about this in the Quran. You weren't the one who did this, but this is obviously the power of Allah. This is the power of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala being manifest at the hands of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in a miracle. Then on another occasion we see, this is also mutawatir, reported by so many different sahaba radiallahu anhum, that it's extremely far-fetched uh, that, it, that it didn't happen. It's, in fact, it's very true, very likely that it happened, reported by various different sahaba radiallahu anhum, uh, such as Mu'adh ibn Jabal, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, Jabir radiallahu anhu, and so many more sahaba radiallahu anhum, that many uh, have mentioned that this is mutawatir. On one occasion, when Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was um, in the battle of Hudaybiyah, it's mentioned that this perhaps even occurred multiple times, not just once. This occurred multiple times. Some say it occurred in the battle of Hudaybiyah, and some say also in Tabuk and, and Khaybar, at different places also it happened. Where Rasul, the, the Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa was traveling with the Sahaba radiallahu anhum, and they did not have much water. This is hadith is reported in Sahih Muslim and various other uh, books as well of hadith. Where Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was traveling with the Sahaba radiallahu anhum, they didn't have that much water left and the time for salah came. The time for salah came, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he, he you know, asked, where is the water? They said, we don't have much water left. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, whoever has even a little bit of water in a utensil, then bring it here. So certain Sahaba radiallahu anhum, they brought whatever water that they had and there was only one small utensil that had a little bit of water inside of it. Rasulullah sallallahu then immersed his hands and then the Sahaba radiallahu anhu report that we saw literally water gushing out of the space, gushing out of the hands of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Such that everyone present not only quenched their thirst but even had the ability to make a proper full-blown wudu. Then it's mentioned in one narration that how, once the, like one sahabi he was asked how many of the how many of you were there here it is he was asked jabir kam kuntum how many people were you so he said law kunna lakafana he said forget about how many people we were i guarantee you that even if we were 100,000 people, it would have been sufficient enough. But if you want to know the exact number, then kunna khamsa ashra mi'a. We were about 1,500, 1,500 people. 1,500 from one small utensil. And this didn't just happen on one occasion, but rather happened multiple occasions. There's obviously no doubt why the Sahaba radiallahu had such conviction in the truthfulness of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa And this is just one aspect of his nubuwa. Right? Then we have the trustworthiness of Rasulullah, his exemplary character, the fact that he was considered Al-Ameen even before prophethood, and so on and so forth, various other signs as well. But these are just supernatural miracles that happened in the life of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Then we have another, and like that there are so many other incidents 
when uh, also mentioned in Sahih Bukhari and other narrations as well, various different incidents and occurrences of various different miracles that happened in the lifetime of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, of particular Sahaba such as Qatada radiyallahu anhu, Ali radiyallahu anhu, uh, and others who, like Qatada radiyallahu anhu. When his eye, he, inf- he, was infl- he had an eye wound, wound of the eye, wherein his eye was hurting and it was quite painful and it was his weaker eye. Rasulullah then applied some of his Mubarak saliva and he placed it in, onto the eye of Qatada radiallahu anhu and then all of a sudden, subhanAllah, that eye became even better than his normal, his normal other healthier eye, his healthier eye. Then we see the same incident happen with Ali radiallahu anhu. We see also with regards to Ali radiallahu anhu, Hudayfa radiallahu anhu, and particular expeditions. Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam made dua for them, and they were completely protected from the heat and undetected by the enemy, like an invisible cloak over Hudayfa radiallahu anhu. And then it's mentioned other other Sahaba radiallahu taala anhum, such as Ibn Atik, when his leg was hurt. When he was taking care of an enemy of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, sent on a tactical mission just to assassinate someone, and because of the fact that it was dark and he uh, misplaced his footing and he was he was injured, or he got injured, and then after that he came back to Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam and he informed Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam what had happened. Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam again applied his mubarak saliva, and subhanallah, miraculously his leg was cured. And like that, there are so many different miracles that happen to human beings. On other incidents uh, with regards to the end of Surah An-Najm, when Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam recited the ayat of Sajda, you find even many of the kuffar that were present were thrown into prostration out of a miracle of the Quran, which happened again at the hands of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And like that, there are so many, so many, so many. There is. There are like you know I told you volumes and volumes written. There is a poem too written by Alam um, Iraqi rahimullah. There's poems written by other people too, like four different. You can see um, it's, it's so beautiful. It'd be nice if you can put it up, but we can't because he didn't do it beforehand. But uh, all the various different miracles of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. When um, animals complaining to him, human beings. Um, doing things behind the back of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, you find that uh, Abdullah bin Abbas and Jabir radiallahu anhu they mention in the company of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi when they would eat, they would see that the food would actually be making tasbih. The food itself would be making dhikr as Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi was eating it. And these are in this is in Sahih Muslim. These are in Sahih narrations. Then you'll find also they mention at times they could hear the water making dhikr as Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam would drink it. And so on and so forth. Until we get to greater celestial bodies where Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam even had such a miracle that was so grand Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala granted him control over the sun and also the moon. The sun and also the moon. The sun has been mentioned in narration by Imam Tahawi rahimahullah, authenticated by him and Qadiyyad rahimahullah, amongst others. On one occasion, he was with Ali radiallahu anhu. And Asma bint Ramis radiallahu anhu, she reports 
that Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam on one occasion he was receiving wahi, and when he was receiving wahi, his la- his head was on the lap of Rasulullah sallallahu. His head was on the lap of Sayyidina Ali radiallahu anhu, and because of that, it's known also for uh, when Rasulullah sallam would receive wahi, then his body would become quite heavy. In fact, other Sahaba mentioned on certain occasions it was so heavy that they felt it was so unbearable that their leg was about to break. So on this occasion, Ali radiallahu could not move and how would he move if Rasulullah was receiving wahi? So he remained put in his place. This resulted in him not having the opportunity to perform Asr Salah until the sun set. So Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, after wahi was after the wahi terminated, after it was finished being revealed to Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and the sun had set, he asked Ali radiallahu anhu. He said, "Oh Ali radiallahu anhu, have you performed asr salah?" So he replied, "No, unfortunately, I was not able to do so." Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam then made the following du'a to Allah subhanahu wa taala, addressing uh, Allah subhanahu wa taala, of course, and this is a miracle that happened. With regards to the sun, so he addressed Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, made dua, and he said that, Ya Allah, Innu kana fi ta'atika wa ta'ati Rasulik. That Ali radhiyallahu anhu was engaged in your obedience, and he was engaged in the obedience of your messenger. Fardud alihi shams. So make the sun go back. In other words, so that he can perform salah. So then Asma radiallahu anha, she mentions, فَرَأَيْتُهَا غَرُبَتْ ثُمَّ رَأَيْتُهَا طَلَعَتْ بَعْدَمَا غَرُبَتْ That I saw physically with my own eyes, after the sun had set, it rose again. And then Ali radiallahu performed his salah, and then it set. This is reported also, this is by Khabar Wahid. Then we find Rasulullah was even granted control. And this is, it's mentioned in other narrations that the only other prophet who was granted such control was uh, Yusha alayhi salam. And then one miracle that Rasulullah was uh, specifically granted, no other prophet was granted. It's mentioned also in Qadu Iyad and others, they say that any miracle others were granted, Rasulullah was also granted either the same or something very similar. To this extent, even the ability to converse with animals, we saw Rasulullah was able to do that. There are many other examples where he would speak to the camel, he would be able to understand what the camel or what the cow is going through and he would be able to reprimand the individual who is the owner of that camel and ensure that the animal be treated properly. So one of the things... The other Anbiya was given was son. But one thing which no other Prophet was given, which is also established through Tawatur, mass transmission, that there are over five, six plus different Sahaba radiallahu anhum, and it's also been mentioned in the Quran, narrators such as Abdullah bin Mas'ud, Abdullah bin Umar, Abdullah bin Abbas, Anas ibn Malik, Jubayr ibn Multan, Abu Abdul Rahman, Sulami Hudayfa radiallahu anhum, etc. And which has also been mentioned in the Quran, in Surah Al Qamar, in the 27th Juz, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about. The splitting of the moon. That on one occasion, the people of Mecca they asked Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam to provide them a miracle, and this was perhaps very late at night. So Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam he agreed. He made dua to Allah subhanahu wa taala. He pointed towards the moon, and then it split, and it split apart 
slowly, slowly expanding such that the Sahaba who narrate it, there are different versions of the various... If a person goes to Makkah, Mukarramah, if you ever have the opportunity of climbing up Mount Hira, and you look at the landscape, you'll see it's very mountainous. There's so many different mountains. So there's different narrations talking about this incident. So some say that I saw that one half of the moon was over one mountain and the other half was over another mountain. Other narrations say I saw the halves of the moon such that they were smacked. It was such that both of them were on either side of one particular mountain. And then, unfortunately, we see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about this in the, I mean, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about this in the Quran and unfortunately the, the reaction of the disbelievers as Mufti Sahib was mentioning yesterday there's different types of kufr there's different types of disbelief the worst perhaps one of the worst types of disbelief is kufrul juhud when a person outright rejects when he has absolutely no purpose of rejecting except for just merely rejecting just because he just doesn't agree he just doesn't want to like you know when a person argues just for the sake of arguing so he disbelieves just for the sake of disbelieving even though he knows he's, he's wrong Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about this. He says, That even at that time, the kuffar of Makkah, they said, No, Rasulullah has bewitched us. He has bewitched us. This can't actually be happening. How can the moon be splitting before our eyes? This has to be some sort of sorcery, some sort of magic. So then they said, why don't we wait to see if other people from surrounding regions come and they also transmit the same information. So it's mentioned in uh, Musa Abi Dawood Al-Tayali, see there's a narration where other people also came and they testified, yes, we, are, we saw it was so strange that the moon split in half for a few seconds and a few moments. There are others who unfortunately object to the veracity of this Incident, even though as Muslims we have to believe in it. As Muslims, we do believe in it and we should believe in it and we have to believe in it because this is mentioned in the Quran. And this is reported by, not only is it mentioned in the Quran, there are so many various different Sahaba who have reported it. And Mufti Rida al Haqsab mentioned such a beautiful explanation, Mufti Shafi Sahab also and others. They say that people rejected for various different reasons. Why isn't this documented in other books of history? Well, I mean, it's quite obvious that at certain times in the world where it's nighttime, other places it's day, like day, so you're not going to be able to see the moon everywhere in the world at the same time. And that too, it's very possible it happened late at night. Then it happened late at night and it was a full lit, it was a complete full moon. And the entire night was, was normally lit, like normal on a full night, on a moon with a full night. On a night with a full moon... <laughs> And you'll find that the splitting of the moon didn't necessarily have, it didn't do anything with the light because the light was still there. Although both halves were there, the light was still there. How many people decide to spend the entire night looking at the moon the whole night? How many people honestly even know? that? I mean, like how many people actually look at the moon at nighttime? Various, I mean, and it could have been such that so many people already went to sleep. And on top of that, um, it's mentioned that even if it did happen and even if people were awake, they perhaps didn't even notice and maybe it happened on a very it did happen very quickly like for example today if you were to go outside and ask 10 random people did you know that there was a solar eclipse today they're probably like no way right and it happened and it was it's actually documented and it was spread out and there like the word was spread days before it even happened but this is the case with all this technology imagine then 
if it happened so quickly, how many people were aware? So there's so many different, there, there are various different objections and there are even more answers. But as a Muslim, we don't require any of that because we understand this is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, this is what Rasulullah did. And subhanAllah, what's the difference? Inshallah, coming to the conclusion, like what's the take-home point? Right? What's the difference? What's the point of the mu'ajizat of Rasulullah Of the mu'ajizat of any Nabi? So, if you think about it, what separates us from others? Right? Every human being who believes in a religion, and a divine religion, they believe their prophet, their particular prophet had different miracles that took place. Like perhaps even if you're not even like Ahlul Kitab, let's say you're like a Buddhist or something, you believe Buddha had different miracles. So you have different miracles from different... That's, that's what gets a person to believe, right? They witness these things and they feel that... Uh, these people are miracles or they witness some sort of magic some supernatural event so what's the difference what separates us from them the thing which separates us from them we have two things number one is the fact that subhanallah for them it's for many of them it's just it's just word of mouth it's just hearsay it's just rumors they don't have solid, concrete evidence. They don't have a chain of narrators. They don't have any reference that they can go back to which is reliable and preserved to this extent that they know for a fact there are no mistakes or discrepancies or alterations in the preservation of that particular piece of information. But as the Ummah of Rasulullah another mu'ajiza of his was that his statements, his practices, his qualities, characteristics, every single aspect of his life has been documented to this extent that as a Muslim, we can be extremely comfortable and have absolute conviction and yaqeen that this definitely did take place. To this extent, that the various miracles you heard about today, you will find in this very institution itself, people who met people, 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 who met the Sahaba, who met Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and who actually witnessed the miracle with their own eyes. We have that today. We have such a system, subhanallah, that even Orientalists, even non-Muslims, like you find Dr. Springer, he is an Orientalist from the 1800s. And he wrote, and this book is available on PDF, Al-Isaba Fi Tamiz al-Sahaba, the first edition printed in Calcutta. And um, he mentions over there, he says that there is no nation, nor will there ever be any nation that has ever walked the face of this earth that has so well meticulously preserved the statements of their prophet better than that of the Muslims. They have documented information of over 500, over half a million individuals, half a million narrators. And subhanAllah, for those who take the Tafim class or take the Tanweer class, we actually go through these books. They're available in Dar es Salaam itself. One, one author, 35 volumes, over 8,000 different entries on different people, all the information about their lives, like Mufti Sa was mentioning last night, we have more information about them than we even have of our own selves. Their fathers, grandfathers, great-grandfathers, great-great-great-great, so on and so forth. We don't even know about our own selves. Everything documented, whether they were upright, whether they were meticulous in recording, everything in place so that we can have 
conviction and we can have uh, we can comfortably reassure ourselves and assure others that this is actually a fact it's not just a story this is an actual incident which happened in history and which we believe full-heartedly in so that's number one as Muslims and, and subhanAllah Allah has mentioned in, this, in the Quran inna wa inna lahu we have sent the Quran and we will preserve it this is again the Quran we left it for last we didn't even discuss it supernatural miracles of Rasulullah any scholar whenever, whatever little I read to prepare for this lecture whatever few five six books that I referenced we find that every single one of them, Imam Bihaqi, Qadi Iyad, Qastalani, so on and so forth, so many others, every single one who talks about the miracles of Rasulullah sallallahu including Iraqi in the very first poem that he mentions, azmani. He says, every single one of them, the greatest miracle that Rasulullah sallallahu was presented with was the Quran. That was the greatest supernatural miracle that Rasulullah was presented and uh, provided with and we see that Allah talks about preserving this Quran such that no other book was ever preserved and he says part of the preservation of the Quran is the proper meaning of the Quran and the meaning of the Quran was conveyed via Rasulullah Allah mentions in Surah Nahal we sent the Quran to you so that you can explain to them what has been revealed so the explanation of the Quran it's part of the Qur'an. And since that is in the ahadith of Rasulullah Allah has taken it upon Himself to preserve the Qur'an. And just as He has taken it upon Himself to preserve the Qur'an, He has also preserved the ahadith. So these are not just stories, bedtime stories, things to marvel at. These are actual incidents that should increase us in our faith. That we know without a doubt, this definitely happened. Another person, one student in class today, he, we were discussing this and he said, you know, what should I do whenever I speak about these things with other individuals and I realize perhaps I should never bring it up again. I was like, what are you talking about? Well, it's kind of obvious, you know, like when you speak to someone about a miracle, then they're like, yeah, right, show me proof. And then it just doesn't end well. So I told him, it doesn't matter what other people believe. Any person who believes, whether it's Yahudi, Nasrani, any person, as long as he's not an atheist, he's going to believe in his prophet and he's going to believe whatever miracles happen. As a believer, regardless of how other people perceive our faith and regardless of what other comments people have to say, we have to believe it. We have to be proud about this and we have to have absolute conviction in the fact that these miracles definitely did happen. And number one, we know this. The difference between us and others is we have these incidents preserved so meticulously that we, ha we can have absolute reliance and conviction in them, number one. Number two, the second thing, the difference between us and others is that we have a living miracle with us. We have a living miracle with us. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, in the very first hadith that he mentioned at the beginning, at the, at, that I mentioned at the beginning, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he says, ما من الأنبياء نبي إلا وقد أعطي إلا وقد أعطي من الآيات ما مثله آمن عليه البشر. That there wasn't a single prophet except that he was granted such miracles, the likes of which all of mankind would have believed in. But then he talks about his own miracle. He continues and he says, وَإِنَّمَا كَانَ الَّذِي أُتِيتُهُ وَحْيًا أُوحَاهُ اللَّهُ إِلَيَّ But that miracle which I was given. And he only talks about this one. What about all the 
thousands of others. All of that aside. Because the greatness of the Quran in compare, there is no comparison between the Quran and all those other miracles, no matter how great they may seem. He says that the greatest miracle that I have, that miracle which I was granted, was wahyan It is wahi that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala granted to me. Therefore, I have confidence that I am going to be that individual who has the greatest of followers on the Day of Judgment. On one occasion, the kuffar, they asked Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in Surah An-Kabut, They said, why aren't more miracles being sent to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam from his Rabb? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala replies on behalf of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Miracles only happen from the side of Allah. Allah is the one who is in control. These miracles happen, but through the will of Allah. Allah decides when they happen. وَإِنَّمَا أَنَا نَذِيرٌ مُبِينٌ Tell them that you are just a warner. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says so beautifully, He says, أَوَلَمْ يَكْفِهِمْ أَنَّا أَنزَلْنَا عَلَيْكَ الْكِتَابَ يُتْلَى عَلَيْهِمْ Isn't it sufficient enough a miracle that we have sent the Qur'an to them which is being recited to them? The ulama mentioned this is the greatest miracle and if a person ponders and makes tadabbur and tafakkur over this ayah, you ponder, think about it greatly, then even that individual who has studied just a few days of Arabic will understand the significance of this verse. In Arabic, there are two types of verbs. There are verbs which are, normally in English, you have past tense, present tense, and future. But in Arabic, you only have maldi and mudari. Maldi is past tense. Then mudari is future and present, it's present and future at the same time. So it's tantamount to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah is saying in this ayah, isn't it sufficient enough a miracle to the, for them that the Quran is currently being recited to them and it will continue to be recited to them till the end of time? Subhanallah. Then if we think about it, and um, we have a living miracle with us, how much time? Okay. We have a living miracle with us. And subhanAllah, when we are asked about the miraculous nature of the Quran, unfortunately, so many of us were at a loss of words. Right? That's why we have to, for those of us who were not present, go, go back and listen to, inshallah, the lecture conducted by Mona Yusuf Ghawth and Mona Ihtiram, where they talk about the ijaz of the Quran. Uh, the ulama mentioned that. I mean, the Quran is such that no matter how many times you study it, you'll never come to an end with regards to all the various different amazing facts, amazing, amazing things that you can derive from the Quran. And just if you ponder about the miraculous nature of the Quran, just one to think about, we find, subhanAllah, let, let's just look at like just a few aspects. Right? One is when a person is reciting Quran, right? if you in the English language, you have so many different dialects in English, right? You have um, Southern accent, you got New York accent, you got West accent, you got Canadian English. So that's like in America. Then outside of America, you have Canadian English. Then you got like British English. Then you got South African English. These are people whose actually official language is English. Then you can broaden the scope. Then you have people who are from other countries, English as a second language. People from Japan speaking English, from China, people from Nigeria, etc. speaking English. Whenever, if you were to blindfold an individual and have them speak, 
very quickly you'd be able to determine where these individuals are from. But the miraculous nature of the Quran is, and they're all speaking the same language. In fact, even those who have officially English as their first language, like the UK versus someone who's in America, you'll be able to tell immediately they're speaking the same language, but yet you know for a fact this guy's from UK and you know for a fact this guy's from America. Right. So the Quran is such, you take Qurra who have meticulously learned how to recite the Quran with an ijazah, the same chain that we were talking about before with someone who learned from someone who learned from someone with Rasulullah and you take any individual and you blindfold them and you have people from different various parts of the world reciting Quran provided that they acquired it correctly from, from anywhere in the, from Japan from Nigeria from, from the UK from wherever in the world and you have them recite Quran you'll never be able to tell where they're from because it's so perfect this is, the, this is part of the miraculous nature of the Qur'an. You find the Qur'an, subhanAllah, it talks about so many various different incidents in the past, so many different nations regarding, us, uh, so many different nations which there isn't any other documentation of those nations prior to the advent of the Qur'an. Yet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about them. Ruins in various different localities. The people of Hijr. You come across them. Where is this? It's not documented anywhere, but it's documented in the Quran. You find Quran talks about everything and we can go on and on. And for those who like we have to. This is one of our this is the difference, right? Between us and others. The difference between us and others is that number one, we have we should have more confidence in these than others. And then number two, we have a living miracle with us that we have to truly uh, contemplate about And then to end off the lecture I really really thought about this And I didn't know how to do it Like How to end off And I thought perhaps maybe there are three different points We'll have to fly through them How can we end off this lecture about the Mu'ajizat of Rasulullah I thought maybe one way is to talk about the sunnah And extreme love That Rasulullah was a perfect individual He was so beloved in the court of Allah That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala provided him with the best of miracles And the greatest of miracles do you find the Sahaba radiallahu anhum, they were karamat, miracles that happened at their hands too. Like Umar radiallahu anhu, and Uthman radiallahu anhu, and others that are recorded in books of hadith as well. And you look at their lives and you see that they had two qualities that stood out amongst others. Number one is they had shiddatul, the ghayatul mahabba for Rasulullah sallallahu Nothing in the world was more beloved to them than Rasulullah sallallahu and their shiddatul ittiba' of Rasulullah sallallahu So I thought perhaps that if we talk about you know, these miracles also happened in the life of Umar radiallahu anhu where he threw a letter into the Nile River and told, addressed the Nile when it was slowly decreasing the amount of water that it had. He said, if you are flowing by your own sake, then you can continue flowing. But if you are flowing through the direction and in the, in the, in the instruction of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then I implore Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to cause you to flow again. The very next day, over 16 meters increase in the level of water. Subhanallah. And other such incidents. So perhaps I thought that if we also have these two qualities ghayatul mahabba for rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam extreme love for rasulullah and uh, we are ardent followers of the sunnah of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam then perhaps we can also witness miracles but we don't really need to witness miracles we are living and witnessing so many different miracles so Allah then i thought maybe talk about quran in the sense that we should bring the Qur'an into our lives. If you look at the Qur'an, it's so miraculous in nature. Anything that the Qur'an was a part of, it became the best of that. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose Jibreel alayhi salam to reveal the Qur'an, so he became known as Sayyidul Malaika. Amongst all the other angels, he's the, arch, he's the leader of the angels. Then on, on Laylatul Qadr, this was the greatest night where it was uh, revealed to Baytul Izzah. 
Amongst all the nights, Laylatul Qadr is known as Khayrun min alfi shahar, the greatest of nights. Then in the month of Ramadan, amongst all the different months, it's mentioned in, in a few ahadith, Sayyidul Shuhur, this is the leader of all months. And it was revealed to Sayyidul Anbiya al Mursaleen, the heart of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And it was revealed to, it was shared with the ummah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. They became kuntum khayra ummatin ukhjid, and that's the best of people. So therefore, if we bring the Quran into our lives, we become khayrukum man ta'allam al Quran wa the best of mankind as well. After the Anbiya alayhi wa and the Sahaba radiallahu anhu. So perhaps I thought maybe that's how we can end off. But then I thought maybe another way to look at it is let's look at what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions himself in the Quran. And I'll end off with this inshaAllah. Talking about this amazing mu'jiza, the splitting of the moon. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions, بَعْدًا أَعُوذُ بِاللَّهِ مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ الرَّجِيمِ بِسْمِ اللَّهِ الرَّحْمَنِ الرَّحِيمِ اِقْتَرَبَتِ السَّاعَةُ وَانْشَقَّ الْقَمَرُ وَإِنْ يَرَوْا آيَةً يُعْرِضُوا وَيَقُولُوا سِحْرٌ مُسْتَمِرٌ وَكَذَّبُوا وَاتَّبَعُوا أَهْوَاءَهُمْ وَكُلُّ أَمْرٍ مُسْتَقِرٌ وَلَقَدْ جَاءَهُمْ مِنَ الْأَنْبَاءِ مَا فِيهِ مُزْدَجَرٌ حِكْمَةٌ بَالِغَةٌ فَمَا تُغْنِي النُّذُرُ فَتَوَلَّ عَنْهُمْ يَوْمَ يَدْعُ الدَّاعِ إِلَى شَيْءٍ نُكُرٌ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he starts off and he says, and this is the take home. اِقْتَرَبَتِ السَّاعَةُ وَانْشَقَّ الْقَمَرِ That the time for the day of judgment has drawn very near and the moon has split asunder. And when these people see a sign, they turn away from it. And they say, سِحْرٌ مُسْتَمِرٌ This is just magic. This is just old, same old magic. And they rejected the Prophet and they rejected the signs. And what did they do? They followed their own desires. While every matter at the end of the day is going to become clear and it's going to become evident and everything is going to be taken care of. So many different incidents and proofs have come to them, مَا مُزْدَجَرْ which is enough for them to deter from what they are doing. حِكْمَةٌ بَالِغَةٌ extreme wisdom and so many different signs and so many different lessons. But فَمَا تُغْنِي النُّذُرْ To what extent, to what benefit were these warnings? Allah is addressing the kuffar of Quraysh and He tells Rasulullah after they disbelieved, فَتَوَلَّ عَنْهُمْ Leave them. On the day in which the caller will call them, then their eyes will be fixed. They will be coming out of their graves. And as though they will be like locusts spread all over. In other words, Allah is saying, we need to really wake up. If you look at the Sahaba, our beloved Qari he recited at the very beginning, when Rasulullah addressed them, the Sahaba radiallahu he they had such yaqeen in his conviction. What did the miracles do to them? It's mentioned, They said, This is what Allah has and Rasulullah have informed us of. And they were true. Wa Taslima. 
it only increased them in two things. These miracles are only supposed to increase us in two things. Number one is imanan, our belief that our prophet was definitely a prophet. He was the greatest of prophets. He is the last of prophets. And our deen is 100% true. What taslima? And he increased them in their ability to submit. These miracles are supposed to increase us in our faith, our conviction of Allah and of Rasulullah and it's supposed to enable us to further submit ourselves. Don't we realize the moon, such a great celestial body, split so easily after Allah granted this ability to one of His creation? Then what is in store for us? Don't we realize that a day is going to come where Allah is going to hold us all to task as well? That we are going to be responsible for every single action of ours? When we hear and we see and we learn about these miracles and when we study the Qur'an and we witness this live miracle, then we are supposed to immediately increase in faith and we are supposed to immediately turn back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and live a life that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants us to live. In the obedience of Him, following the sunnah and the teachings of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us all the ability to learn more about Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. May Allah grant us the ability to truly appreciate the various different miracles that happen in the life of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, to believe in them, and to further learn about Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, increasing our connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and bring us closer to both Allah and His Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Wa akhru da'wana and alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Jazakumullah khairah to our dear teacher, Malana Farhan Sharif, who provided a miraculous presentation on the miracles of the Masjid of Allah.